Guys, so just a quick reminder, if, um, if you ever wondered, the words to those songs, which were so rich this morning, the, the words to those songs are always found on the back of your bulletin if you ever want to follow along. They're, they're, um, that was wonderful. Also, let me just um, uh, remind you, if you have children, that you need to register for VBS. You need to get that done post-haste. Go ahead and do that. Now, go back with me to the book of Hebrews. We're still in chapter 11. We are, we are, the end is in sight. But let me read to you beginning at verse 24. I'll read through verse 28. You follow in uh, your copies of God's word. And I'll read beginning at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt. Not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, as recorded in this book, this endures forever. Finally, we get to Moses. <laughs> um, for some, uh, uh, just about the only name they know from the Old Testament is the name Moses. And, and understandably so, uh, Moses was a, uh, a prominent feature. He was a, a large personality with a, with a huge role to play in, in the Old Testament. And you would expect from somebody that large, uh, with that kind of role, that he would have a very large message. And uh, Moses does not disappoint. Indeed, he does. You know, when, when we think of Moses, we normally think of, um, of the prophet of Sinai. You know, the, uh, the, 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 the Ten Commandments, uh, the law. But here in Hebrews chapter 11, um, Moses is being held up not, not as the representative of law. He's being used as an example of a hero of faith. Um, he is as much an example of faith as he is the representative of law. So, guys, this morning, um, instead of picturing him, you know, as Charlton Heston on the top of Sinai carrying these two tablets of stone and thundering over the, 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 as the lawgiver, um, <coughs> we're going to look at him, as he's mentioned here, as, um, as one from whom we might learn more about faith. 
what real faith looks like. And it's, um, it's right here in the text. It's in one sentence. It's a long sentence. It's, it's two verses, verses 24 and 25. But there it is. Moses showing the reality of his faith in two ways. First, verse 24, in what he refused. The other half, verse 25, in what he chose. Real faith put on display by Moses in Two ways, or really two halves of the same thing. First of all, in what he refused. And secondly, in what he chose. Both of those, one negative, one positive, are accomplished by faith. So we're going to look at both of them. But before we do that, just... um, just a very little bit about the backstory. It may need no reminding, but you remember Moses is the is the little baby boy in the in the wicker basket floating down the Nile. Remember that. And then Pharaoh's daughter was out bathing and and um, sees this basket floating down the Nile because Pharaoh had passed an edict that children should be slain, Jewish children, Jewish boys. So she sends one of her servants out to get the basket and opens it up and finds inside, ooh, there's a baby in here. <laughs> a baby boy. That was Moses. And, and you may not know this, but I mean, actually, I'm not sure I can even prove it, but tradition states it, that um, Moses didn't have any other sons. That um, uh, if Moses had stuck around... Moses would have been Pharaoh's successor. But that's just by way of tradition. But we do know this for sure. For the first 40 years of his life, Moses spent those years in the most luxurious and opulent spot on the planet, inside the the household of Pharaoh. Um, The world was his oyster. He was educated, he uh, enjoyed rank and privilege, he was uh, positioned uh, to have influence, and influence he had. But as the text points out, somewhere in his young adulthood, Moses um, comes face to face with an eternal calculation He's got to choose. What do I value? And and here are my options. On the one hand, I have rank and privilege and opulence and pleasure and influence. (laughs) On the other hand, I have lifelong mistreatment associated with a herd of slaves. And yet, with this option comes a promise. A promise of heaven. An unseen heaven. 
but a promise of heaven nonetheless. Now, guys, here's, here's something that you've got to see. I, I said it a moment ago that this is being used as an example of what real saving faith looks like. And the first thing that you must notice is that real faith is far more than just believing in a certain set of facts. Guys, real saving faith becomes a decision of the mind that gets fleshed out in the acts of my will. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that is huge. For so many, Christianity consists of uh, assenting to a set of facts. It's more than that, ladies and gentlemen. It is a decision that, that works through the mind that gets fleshed out in acts of my will as I face choices, tempting choices, almost on a daily basis. And, according to this text, it has two halves. The first half has to do with refusing. Did you see it, guys? It's verse 24. And when he was growing up, he called me, refused. I am called to turn my back on certain allurements that the text calls the fleeting pleasures of sin. Again, um, it does call them pleasures. Sin is attractive, is it not? I mean, there's a certain pleasure involved, isn't there? (laughs) If it weren't pleasurable, it wouldn't be attractive. But then it adds. Fleeting. Fleeting pleasures of sin. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's no denying that sin can be pleasurable. Fleetingly. You know, every every time I read the story of David and Bathsheba, you know that story? Um, It's a famous one. (laughs) David commits adultery with Bathsheba, and then he has Bathsheba's husband murdered on the front lines. Remember that? Um, And then the subsequent eight to ten chapters after, after the affair, if you'll read the, the next 8 to 10, 12 chapters, his life absolutely comes apart at the seams. Um, his family explodes. His reign explodes. He's run out of town. His own son wants to kill him. And every time I read that story, I, I want to I I get a hold of David and say, David, Was it worth it? Was that one night with Bathsheba 
Was it worth it? David, if you could have changed that decision, would you change it? And, and I, you know, guys, I, I, um, I believe I know the answer to that question. I believe he would have said yes. But you see, Jimmy, the problem, the problem is that the sin, the temptation does not come with a warning saying, fleeting. Doesn't do that. No, in fact, uh, just the opposite. It comes... And, and it comes to deceive. Guys, um, nobody, nobody has had to turn his back on more than did Moses. Um, because you see, the first half of real faith is refusing. Verse 24. And, and I'm sure there were people around saying that Moses was an abject fool to turn his back on things that most people covet. And what was it, ladies and gentlemen, that enabled him to do that? Faith. You know, guys, I think everybody in this room claims to possess faith. Well, let me ask you this. Is what you call your faith ever led you to refuse anything? Because if it hasn't, it's not real. The the, the first half of faith is refusing. And if what I call my faith has never led me to do any of that, then it's not real. Guys, um, is, your, is your conscience something that's been trained by the principles and value system that you find in here? Or is your value system something that you've kind of picked up by way of osmosis from them, the, the, the world. Guys, uh, I told you when we started Hebrews 11 that Hebrews 11 is a long chapter illustrating verse 38 of chapter 10. Real faith, saving faith. And, and chapter 11 is just illustrating that it's this kind of faith that enables us to endure to the end. This kind on display with Moses. It's one that compares the finite with the infinite, the infinite. It's, it's something that, that compares the temporal and the, with the eternal. It's an eternal calculation. And it starts with refusing. But there's more. There's another half. Verse 25. He chooses. He refused. Negative. 
He chose positive. He preferred it. Well, preferred what? <laughs> Look at it. He, he, he preferred mistreatment, affliction over pleasure. And there's not a hint of him grinding his teeth and, and dreading every minute of this. What would make him do that? Faith. Well, faith in what? Well, generally speaking, faith in God's word. But specifically, did you notice this is in the text? Faith in what? Specifically. The reward, which was what? Heaven. Guys, all of us must make that choice. We are, um, we are often put into situations where we have to choose between God and this, or God and that, or God and wow. And listen, our choices. speak louder than our words, don't they? You see, a man is known by his choices. Moses um, chose mistreatment because he was going to identify himself with the people of God. And what did they have? Land? No. Gold? No. Status? No. What they had was promises. God's promises. You see, Moses has a whole different value system. And, and, and where did he get that? Where did he get that value system? Well, because he believed the things that God said. And we call that faith. You know, guys, so much of our moaning and groaning comes because I think we are, we are looking at things that are seen. It mentions in verse 26 that uh, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. We have our eyes fixed on Egypt. Whoa, Egypt. Wow. <laughs> and we're consumed by those things that are associated with Egypt. And we would often rather offend God than, than we would offend our friends, associates, 
We would, uh, we oftentimes choose, we would prefer the smile of our colleagues than, than we um, would rather have God's smile. Or we become excellent at, at rationalizing. You know, I, I bet there were many folks uh, who were around Moses that advised him to, you know, to stay right where you stay right where you are. Um, just stay on as, as Pharaoh's son, uh, because you know we could um, we could uh, we could use an insider. Uh, you know, just just stay right where you are. Just tell Pharaoh's daughter, you know, your adopted mom, uh, uh, tell her that you're an Israelite, but because of her great kindness, um, you're you're gonna you're gonna remain an Egyptian. You know, find some way to compromise in this situation and, you know, play both ends from the middle. And, and you can become the first uh, Egypto-Israelite or the first Israelo-Egyptian. Um, and if you can find a way to do that, you get to stay in that palace And who knows that um, even Pharaoh himself might be converted under your influence. Guys, unbelief is, is very creative. And it argues very plausibly as to why we shouldn't deny self. Folks, we have no permission to do wrong, no matter what our, our motive. Um, to do evil that good may come is never encouraged by this God. It is never right to do wrong, even if there is a chance to do right in the future. Guys, if it is right to be an Egyptian, then for heaven's sakes, go be an Egyptian. But if it's, if it's right to serve God, then for heaven's sake, serve him. Remember, remember how Elijah said it on the top of Mount Carmel? Remember that? He said, if Baal is God, serve Baal. But if Yahweh be God, then for heaven's sakes, serve him. Because you see, not both of them can be the real God. So what I'm saying is, you face an eternal calculation too. Just like Moses. Somewhere in the course of your adulthood, or maybe earlier, you've got to ask, what do I value? Because if it's this God that you value, then it leads to two things, really, which are two halves of the same thing. It leads to refusing. And then it leads to choosing. As for Moses, he and all his ilk, <laughs> Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God. That's what the text says. Wow. 
To me, that's far more impressive than holding two tablets of stone. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting, fleeting pleasures of sin. Folks, all gospel obedience, all gospel obedience is the result of an exercise of faith. Think of obedience as a bicycle tire. You know, with all the spokes that are radiating out of the, out of the hub. And the hub is, of course, Christ Jesus. And, and all of these spokes that are radiating out of, the, out of the center, going out to the rim of the tire. Let's just say honesty. If I cannot trace my honesty back to Christ then all I've got is moralism. Why am I honest? I'm honest because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Every piece of my morality has to find its way back to the center because you see all gospel obedience is the result of faith. And if it doesn't spring from the center, then all I've got is moralism. The world loves moralism. It celebrates moralism, but that's not, Christian, that's not the Christian faith. Obedience, gospel obedience, all of it is, is the result of the exercise of faith. Oh, my friends, that we would measure everything by eternity. Believing that the worst of Christ is better than the best of the world, like Moses did. Guys, I said earlier that there was a positive and a negative, or a negative and a positive, whichever, um, in this story about Moses and his faith. Well, let me put that in New Testament language. It's called repentance and faith. Uh, I repent of my sin, negative, and I embrace, I choose Christ, positive. That's saving faith. Um, do you remember what, how, Mo, how Paul described the Thessalonians in chapter 1 <coughs> of 1 <First> Thessalonians? <coughs> he said, you turn to God from idols. Turn from the idols, repentance, negative, to God, positive, just like Moses. He started by refusing and goes on to choose. Folks, um, the gospel offers you no bribes. The, the gospel offers no dowry but itself. Um, if, if heaven, that eternity of felicity and bliss, if that's not enough for you, then you're going to have to find your heaven here. 
And to do that, like sin, is fleeting. Then what? Pleasure's brief, heaven eternal. You choose. Guys, um, Moses illustrates saving faith. Very few Christians, very few of us are ever called to leave a palace. But we're all called to forsake the world. Not, not physically, but, but morally. And, and I'm afraid that conversion is far more radical than what is often being preached today. Guys, um, responding to an invitation is a long ways away to what you find Moses doing. Who refused, and he chose. Now, here's your incentive. Jesus Christ laid aside his home in glory. You know that song that we sing, he, out of the ivory palaces? He left those ivory palaces because he also looked to his reward. What was Jesus' reward? Us. The one thing that he didn't have in heaven, he had to come purchase. An eternity spent with us was his reward. Him or Egypt? You choose. Our Father, uh, I do pray that you'll use Moses to remind us what, what really is involved when we, when we decide that it is heaven that we long for and only Christ's finished work can prepare us for that. So Lord, um, would, you, would you stir in us uh, in a, a similar value system that Moses put on display here for us. And might we find uh, a greater incentive, a greater stimulation, a greater reason to turn our back and refuse all of those fleeting pleasures of sin 
and fix our eyes with steadfast gaze on Christ and him crucified. Do that for all of us, Father. And for those that you brought here who have not yet done that, would you, would you open their eyes to see the great beauty of Christ who left his home in glory so he could purchase us. What a gospel. And we pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.